0: Hey everybody, it's Pastor Dylan and welcome to the Dayspring Wesleyan Church Podcast. At the end of this episode, please take the time to download our church app. It's the best way to stay connected to the life of the church. All you have to do is go to the app store, search for Church Center, download and enter the information for our church. You will then be connected to our church community. I hope the following presentation inspires you to move closer to God in this journey we call faith. Enjoy morning, church. It's good to be back with you again. And uh, uh, as you know, I was sick a couple weeks ago, and I'm having a little nagging cough today. So I have a cough drop in my mouth, and uh, we're going to hope that I don't have any coughing spasms, because if we do, you get to get out of here a little bit early today. So maybe that's what some of you are praying for. Who knows? But uh, we'll see who wins out on this today. It's so good to have each and every one of you here. I want to make you aware of a couple announcements. Also, I want to say thank you to your response for uh, last week's message. It just seemed like God was dealing with several people and had uh, several counseling sessions afterwards and um, just realizing what God was doing. I did have, though, a funny thing happen to me. Several people, and even people stopped me this week to um, say that they started using Makeup. Uh, After my comment about people needing more makeup in the church or something um, My wife got on me afterwards. She said I don't know if you should have said that, you know But she said well at least everyone laughed and she goes and then she said I hope That people don't think that I really like serve you grapes and stuff off of a vine And that come when you're ringing bells and I'm like no, they know you're not that nice. So, you know just (laughs) Just kidding Um, Today we're going to be looking at Joshua chapter uh, 3, starting with verse 5. We're going to be working all the way through 4 through 7. But the two announcements that I definitely wanted to make you aware of is, we recognize that our church is continuing to increase in size on Sunday mornings. And uh, um, one of the things we recognize is the need to get a little bit smaller as well. And we believe that happens through small groups. So one of the big emphasis for us is in September 25th, we're having emotionally healthy spirituality, which is going to be a study on Sunday nights. I think we're starting the meal at 5 o'clock. We um, start the series at 6. So it'll last like an hour, an hour and a half. But well, what we're trying to do is practice that axe model of making sure that we eat together because one of the things that's interesting is how much we open up when we eat together. And it's a time for us to go around and get to know some other people that we may not be familiar with. And then when we get in the small group time, there's some discussion and some of you have some questions about that. How are those uh, tables going to look? Listen, if you already have a small group you're a part of, make sure you sit with them. If... Um, You have some friends that you want to sit at their table. Sit with them, because we want you to be comfortable. And if you just have no friends at all, we'll help you make some friends that night, okay? And we'll put you around the table and make sure you have a leader. But we are expecting a really good time. Now listen, we have over 100 people already signed up for it, and we know that we have another 50 teens that are going to take place part of it as well. We still know that there's a lot more that need to sign up yet. So we're asking you to do that today, because we want to get our numbers right for the meals and stuff. But this is going to be an excellent time. Now, some of you say, well, I have teens. What do I do with them? If you have teens we're going to have, they're going to do sort of the same series for those several weeks, and they're going to do their own thing, but in their, in their area, they're going to eat with us together. Some of you say, well, I have kids. Listen, if you have kids in kindergarten through, um, I think it's fifth grade or sixth grade, we are having a musical practice for them that will lead up to the Christmas musical, so there will be something for them as well. It's infants and the toddlers that we're still trying to work out, but if you can bring them with them, you're more than welcome to do that, or it, we may try to see if we can figure something out, but, um, and if you can get a babysitter, that would be even better. But that's what we're doing at this point. So we're really excited about what's going on there. And then the other thing is um, we have two of our um, classes that we're doing towards membership. We're doing belong and become. Um, The belong we were supposed to do a couple weeks ago, but I got sick. And so we weren't able to do that. We're going to combine the two. So that's going to be like more like an hour and a half to two hours. But we're going to provide a meal that night just to make it a little bit easier. Um, Belong um, is more about connection and baptism. Um, and then become is more about membership and where you might serve in the church. Now, you might say at the end of this, I don't really want to be a member. That's fine. Because you may say, these people are nuts and I don't want to be a part of them. Now, that's fine if you just want to still attend. You don't have to become a member at the end, but this does lead to membership if you would like to do that. So, again, thank you for that. So, reading from Joshua chapter 3, uh, starting verse 5. Um, but I, I, um, I don't watch m- movies as much as I used to, um, but man, I, I used to watch a ton of movies. And I was always impressed when you'd find these actors or actresses who would just like, they would go all in for a certain part because they would like literally transform their bodies. And so there's a guy by the name of, um, and by the way, I'm, uh, I can be a big nerd on some of the movies. I like the Star Wars stuff and I like the uh, Marvel's movies and those type of things. Um, but uh, there's a guy by the name of Chris Pratt who was in a sitcom series called Parks and Rec. And Chris Pratt in that series, if you see him, is kind of a bumbling idiot. Um, he's, he's not like way overweight, it looks like, but he weighed about 2, I think 82 in those time. And then I think he got up to 304 at one point for another movie role. Um, so the guy was, he, he was not like, I wouldn't say like obese or anything, but he just wasn't healthy. But he really wanted to get this role called the Star Lord for the Gardens of the Galaxy. So he committed for six months to making sure that his body was physically fit in order to get this role because he, he wanted it so bad. So for six months, he, went, he met with a nutritionist. He met with some guy that put him on some exercise routines. And for those six months, he gave all he could. And at the end of it, he lost 60 pounds. So he was down to like 222 pounds. And they showed him like a picture of him. I mean, that dude got ripped. And I mean, he had a six pack, which is only something I could ever dream about. I have a one pack and that's about where it's going to stay. Okay. But like, It it was just so impressive the way this guy just physically beat up his body, and you started looking at the things he said, and he said like he was working out three to four hours a day. He was doing like the P ninety X. He was doing um, a lot of running, a lot of strength training, and then he was um, uh, he even did a triathlon like as part of this, you know? So he was just really committed to this. He said they changed his diet. He said they, they had him eat like 4,000 calories a day, but they made sure that was all kind of good foods that he would take in. And then he said, drink, drinking-wise, like he gave up beer, but he said like they wanted him to drink water a lot. And he said they wanted an ounce uh, per pound of water that he would take in a day, which is ama- like a lot. And he says, man, I was in the bathroom so much, you know, if you could imagine and stuff. And so, but by the end of that, he was physically fit and he got into the rule that he wanted. But he took this sort of six months, he really concentrated on it, developed his body to where it should be, and then felt like, you know, this is something that I would kind of like to maintain. So then what he found out is at the end, he said in order to just stay physically fit, he realized that still eating the right things, still taking in enough water, and then he said he went down to just working out four days a week for an hour a day. And he said, and he was able to maintain this is somebody that went through a concentrated moment that built really a strong foundation to where he could basically have a healthier lifestyle. And I have to tell you, church, I was thinking about that and thinking as we were preparing this message series. And I think that a lot of us could do more to build a strong foundation in the faith Because I think sometimes what we have happen is we have sort of those concentrated moments where we're like, we're going to go all in right now. And we read our Bible a lot. We spend a lot of time in prayer. And generally, it's because something that's happened in our life. It could be our marriage is on the rocks. We could be having problems with our kids. Maybe something physically happened to us. Uh, Maybe we just feel really down and depressed. And all of a sudden, we come to this moment where we realize like we need something more. Like we need a Savior in our life. So then all of a sudden, we just kind of go all in. And we get to that place where we're reading and we're doing our devotions and we're praying and, and, it's, and it's, it's just so much intensity for such a short period of time. Like we feel really good, but then all of a sudden we're just like, okay, well, you know, that was okay. Maybe things are better. And what we find ourselves doing is sort of a roller coaster. And I know that I do that with my weight because there are times like, you know, I, I, uh, I, I gain a lot of weight and then I lose a lot of weight. And I gain a lot of weight, and then I lose a lot of weight. You know, and that gets a little bit old. It's hard on the body, and you eventually just find out you just get sort of sick of doing this thing. And the same thing happens in the faith. We encounter these moments where, like, yeah, I'm really into the Word of God, but I'm not so much now. I'm really into the things of God, but not so much now. And I think what happens is I think we never really build that firm foundation to where we say, you know what, this is something that I can maintain now. And so I found in my own life, like, I found sort of that foundational moment But I still have those days when I really consecrate myself. Like I have those days where I'm like, I'm really intense because of a need that's in my own life or a need that's in somebody else's life. But I have this base to where I've disciplined myself enough to say, every day, God and I spend some time together. Every day, there's prayer. Every day, there's communication with God. Every day, there's a little bit of Bible reading. One of those foundational moments in the Bible for me is when there was a change in leadership. And this change of leadership happened at the end of Moses' life. And if you know Moses, man, Moses was the big figure dude in the Bible. He's the one that God brought the Ten Commandments to. He's the one that stood in the Red Sea and the water farted. And he did all these miracles. And now you have somebody else that's going to have to take over. And I believe because some of the foundational moments in his life, it set him up to where he was just as good as leader as Moses. So let's read together today from um, Joshua chapter 3, verse 5. So Joshua told the people, Consecrate yourself, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. Joshua said to the priest, Take up the Ark of the Covenant and pass on ahead of the people. So they took it up and went ahead of them. And the Lord said to Joshua, Today I will begin to exalt you in the eyes of Israel, so they will know that I am with you as I was with Moses. Tell the priests who are carrying the Ark of the Covenant. When you reach the edge of the Jordan waters, go and stand in the river. Joshua said to the Israelites, Come here and listen to the words of the Lord your God. This is how you will know that the living God is among you, and that He will certainly drive out before you the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Perizzites, the Gershites, the Amorites, and Jebusites. See the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth will go into the Jordan ahead of you. Now then, choose twelve men from the tribes of Israel, each from each tribe, one from each tribe. And as soon as the priests who carried the Ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, set foot in the Jordan, its waters flowing downstream will be cut off and stand up in a heap. So when the people broke camp to cross the Jordan, the priest carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. Now, the Jordan is at a flood stage all during harvest. Yet as soon as the priest who carried the Ark reached the Jordan, and their water touched the waters, and their feet touched the water's edge. The water from the upstream stopped flowing; it piled up in a heap, and a great distance away from a town called Adam, in the vicinity of Zarathan, while the water flowing down to the Sea of Arabah, that is the Dead Sea, was completely cut off. So the people crossed over the opposite Jericho. The priest who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stopped in the middle of the Jordan and stood on dry ground while all Israel passed by until the whole nation had completely crossed on dry ground. Let's pray together. Father, I'm just so amazed each and every time that as we read these stories and as we recognize these events in the Bible, that even these events, as relevant as they were to the people that day, they're still relevant to us today. So help us to learn from the past so that we will not repeat mistakes, but that we will keep on the good that we learn. I pray, Lord, that if there's anything that I would say incorrectly today or mess up, that you would clean it up in the ears of your people so that the only word that they would hear from today is you. Help us to create a foundation that will stand the test of time. In your name we pray, amen. So I love this story because I just think it's, it's unique in that like, I, I just thought, what would it be like? to have to take over for Moses. I mean, again, Moses is the guy that parted the Red Sea. Moses is the guy that went up on a mountain, and God spoke to him directly, and he began to write down the Ten Commandments. And when he brought those Ten Commandments down, it said his face was such a glow from being in the presence of God that they had to put a veil over his head because the people couldn't even look directly into him because of the holiness of God that was on him in that moment. And now Moses has died. Because of something Moses did, they said, you're not going to make it to the promised land with the people. And so now it was Joshua's turn to take over. Now again, I can't imagine what that would have been like. I know what it's like to sort of come behind great people. There have been great pastors who have stood in front in this pulpit. There have been some great men who have built these buildings here at the church. There have been some guys that have said some of the most profound things. And I've gotten to sit under different men and women who have just preached an amazing word. And I oftentimes think, I don't even know how I can come after them. They are so gifted in what they do. And I've often even felt that way as a parent. Like my parents, I mean, I think they did an excellent job of bringing us up. But I remember when Chase was first born. And I remember bringing him home for the first time and thinking, I have no clue what to do with this kid. Like we could really mess him up. You know, like, like, I, I have, I mean, I had no business being a parent as far as I was concerned. And many of you would probably agree with that, you know. Like, I didn't know how I was going to do it. And yet, I recognize that there's a point of us where we just have to accept sort of leadership. And Joshua is in the place where it is his turn to accept leadership. And what I want you to know is that formation begins with God exalting you. Verse 7 says this, And the Lord said to Joshua, Today, I will begin to exalt you in the eyes of Israel so that they may know that I am with you as I was with Moses. You see, what God was telling Joshua, he said, Joshua, listen, there's a miracle that I did for Moses, and I'm going to do the same miracle with you. And when the people see the waters part, they're going to know just as I was with Moses, I'm going to be with you. And he says, So I'm going to exalt you. And that word exalt in the Hebrew basically means this to grow. And he told Joshua, look, he's like, I'm going to grow you in front of the people. So when you send the Ark of the Covenant into the waters, and when the people see those waters dissipate, they're going to know that I am with you. And in, in their eyes, you will grow. You will be just like Moses, and you will be able to lead the way you need to. But I love that because Joshua's moment of growth is not there. This was just God's way of saying, I'm putting my hand on Joshua. But Joshua had already been growing. If you follow the story of Joshua, Joshua is the one that goes into battles for Moses. Moses says, Joshua take the men in, Joshua takes the men in, and he begins to win battles. So he already had a trust in Moses and a trust in God. Joshua was one of the twelve spies who was sent out to the promised land. And out of the twelve spies, only two of them came back and said, we think we can take them. The rest said, no way. Joshua was one of the two. had enough faith. Why? Because Joshua had been growing. Joshua had seen the miracles of God. He had seen the battles that God had won. He had seen that there was no way that we could have won these battles without God being in the midst of it. And he was growing in that process. You see, just like, just like Joshua, God wants you to grow as well. He wants you to be exalted. And you know, all through life, we have these periods of growth, don't we? I mean, certainly we don't act the same way we did as a child. I've been seeing all these Facebook posts lately and seeing like um, parents drop off their kids to college. And I have to tell you, I keep thinking to myself, man, I've only got two more years until Chase goes to college. Like, it's, it's just so crazy. And it really bothers me because I told my kids one day, I remember having this conversation vividly with them. And I said, look, I don't want you guys to grow up. All right. And they all promised me that they would not grow up. And then Chase is now six, two and a half. That kid is the biggest liar that I've ever met. You know, but I even told my girl, I said, I don't want you guys to grow up. Now, listen, I wanted them to get past that baby phase, though, by the way. Okay. Because I got tired of carrying them around. I got tired of feeding them. And I got tired of changing the dirty diapers. You know, like that was crazy. I remember going on vacations and... We, it seemed like we had the youngest kids and all the other parents, they were doing more things with their kids. And we're like, we have got to change another diaper. We got to feed these, what you think? You know, not really, but, you know, like you just, you, you wanted them to grow up out of that phase. And then there's this period where I, it's all of a sudden like, I didn't want them to grow up anymore, but I really do. You know, I wanted my kids to be able to go out on their own. And even as hard as it will be for me to take my kid to college for the first time or to see them move away at some point. There's a joy in knowing that they don't act the same way that they once did, right? There's a joy in knowing that they've grown. Like, I don't want to go to college and be like, okay, Chase, open your mouth. I'm going to put the spoon in, you know, or let me change you one last time. You know, like, you don't want to have those moments because those are crazy, right? Like, we all should be growing. And we should be doing that in various areas of our life, right? I mean, you should be growing in your marriage. Your marriage should not be stagnant. You should be doing things that says like, how can I strengthen my marriage today? There are relationships with your kids where you should be saying, how do I strengthen my relationship with my kids? At work, there should be some growth. You should not be doing the same things that you want to. You should be growing in that process to where you're learning more and doing more and being better. And in the faith, it's no different. In the faith, we shouldn't be at the same place. You see, one of the things that I've learned, and one of the things that God has been working at me in various areas of my life, is taking me from being a very selfish person to a very selfless person. And what do I mean by that, like when I was on my own, man, I did everything I wanted to do. I bought what I wanted, I wore what I wanted, I went, out, I went out to eat at what restaurant I wanted to eat at, I went to bed when I wanted, and I watched whatever I wanted on TV, and nobody told me what to do, and it was awesome. And then I got married. And then I realized that I don't always get to do what I want to do. I don't always get to eat where I want to eat. I don't always get to go to bed when I want to go to bed. And then we had kids. And man, then it was craziness. Because all of a sudden, like, we no longer get to do anything we want to do. Our money no longer goes to us, you know. We no longer get to say where we want to eat unless, I mean we can, but we're going to hear about it for the next week, you know. And we just realized, I and I have to tell you, even though that sounds like, it sounds like pretty negative, it was the most fulfilling thing for me, because I moved from selfishness to selflessness, because all of a sudden, my desires were not just for me anymore, but it was to make my wife happy as well. All of a sudden, my desires weren't just for me and my wife. It was to make my kids happy, to see them excel in things. You know, there were things I used to love to do. I used to love to go golfing all the time. I, I, I may golf once a year now. And that may sound like a real negative thing, but it's not because my money now goes to my kids' activities, to their events. Like, I want to go to their sporting things. I used to play church softball the time. I don't play anymore. Why? Because I don't have a time because I'm either at a volleyball match, you know, or I'm at a football game, or heaven forbid, a cross-country. Listen, I go to cross-country meets, all right? My kid is in cross country and I love it. Now, the only thing they didn't tell you is that parents have to run sometimes as much as the kids do, all right? Because you start out here and then you got to go watch them over here. And it's crazy. I was like, I, would, I don't know that I would let him sign up for this if I knew I was going to have to do as much running as I have to do, you know? But there is a selflessness in that because I love watching my kids succeed. And there's a love that I have for the church as well. And there's a growth that needs to occur. You see Hebrews 3 or excuse me Hebrews 5 13 through 14 says this. Anyone who lives on milk being still an infant is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness but solid food is for mature who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. You see there needs to be a period in our life where we quit taking milk and we start having solid food. And church we have got to move from a selfish people to a selfless people. You know, there are things in the church that I realize sometimes, like there is music that I don't like. Um, There's certain illustrations I don't care for. Um, There are certain events that take place in a church, certain testimonies that are given. And I have to tell you, I often look and say, well, I don't think I would have done it that way, or I'm not sure I like that. But what I've realized is that's just my selfishness because Chuck likes his church a certain way. And what I've recognized is we have a whole new group of young people that are coming in, that things have to be different and things have to change. And you know this because church today is not the same when you were a kid. Church is not the same when I was a kid. There are some things that are evolving. Some are good and some are bad. But they're evolving. And we need to be a people that would say, you know what? It's not so much about me, but it's about making sure people understand the gospel and they hear it in their language. There's some things that I realize in my selfishness that um, in my immaturity, there are things that I gossip about that I have to grow up, don't I, church? Because I shouldn't be gossiping about people, should I? but I should be valuing people. I should be giving people a sense of worth and value because there are a lot of desperate people going through a lot of depressed things and a lot of different situations that are beyond what you and I can even fathom. They have had some of the worst things ever done in their life. You know, I grew up in a pretty easy environment. I grew up in a Christian home. I was around church all the time. And listen, it wasn't until I came into those moments of life where they were really tough things to go through. Some really hardships, some diseases that came in our family, some deaths that occurred in our family. Some moments in my marriage and working with my kids to where I was in desperate need for a Savior to walk me through it. And in those times is when I grew the most. But there are some people that have been through some pretty rough things way before you and I ever got there. And what they have come at and what they have grown into is absolutely amazing. Why? Because it's important for us in a a formation is basically have those moments of growth. And we should keep growing day after day. Secondly, formation continues as you consecrate yourself. Verses 5 through 6 said this. Joshua told the people, Consecrate yourselves for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. Joshua said to the priests, take up the Ark of the Covenant and pass on ahead of the people. So they took it up and went ahead of them. What's interesting about this moment of consecration, and maybe we don't always understand what they were doing, but when Joshua told the people to consecrate themselves, what he was basically saying is consecration is basically an outward demonstration of an inward work. So what was happening is the people, when they were consecrate themselves— they would take themselves and they would go down into the water and they would begin to clean themselves. And you have to understand the importance and the value of water at that time. That water was a source of life. It's what really gave you strength to carry on just through the day. Water was an, was an important role for washing and feeding animals. Water was important for making sure that the crops had stuff that would help them grow. Water was also an important way for them to carry goods up and down the rivers. Actually, large towns would often be built around waterways because of the commerce that could happen in those areas. So water was a source of power. So when you went into the water, you were basically saying, I'm relinquishing my power to your power, Lord. I'm washing my body physically. And as I wash my body physically, I am inwardly confessing my sins to you. I'm beginning to say, okay, Lord, I'm sorry for the way I treated that individual. Lord, I'm sorry for that bad thought I had today. Lord, I'm sorry for not giving you proper respect or the amount of time that you deserve. And that washing took place. And listen, what Joshua was asking the people to do was very easy for them in that moment. Why? Because they knew that they were going into battle the next day and what might happen. They could die. And think about that. Like, if you knew that you were going to die tomorrow, like, how would your response in life be? Like, if you were really a believer, you'd probably be spending all that time just confessing to God everything you've ever done. And you'd probably be calling people up and asking for forgiveness. And you'd be spending time with the people you love. And you'd probably be sharing your faith with some of your relatives or some of your kids because you want them to know Christ as well. Like, you'd give everything in that moment because tomorrow you might die. Now, some of you can be a little evil and may just call somebody up and just tell them off as well. I get that. Some of you might be like your last day at work. You're like, I'm going to tell the boss off right now, you know. But in the faith, we take that moment to say, Lord, check me out. If there's anything that I need to fix, fix it up right now. It's about this sort of, as we're cleaning ourselves outwardly, we're dealing with ourselves inwardly. You know, there's a story of David in the Bible. You know David to be a great king. And David was really a man after God's own heart, it says. But there was this moment, if you remember in the scripture, there was this moment of failure where he saw this woman Bathsheba who was married to somebody else and he decided to sleep with her and she got pregnant. And because, she, he, because David couldn't get her husband to sleep with him, make him think it was his own, he decided to have him killed in battle and he died. And then if you remember David The prophet Nathan came to him and reminded David what he had did wrong. And David confessed his sin to Almighty God. But God said, you're going to lose a child as a result. And you remember that, what a burden that was for David. But David had that moment of weakness where he gave in to sin. And later on, he writes in Psalms 139, 23 through 24. He says, search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way of everlasting. You see, David knew that it was important to have these moments of consecration where we just bear everything for the Lord. Man, that's a hard ask, isn't it? Lord, search my heart. If you find anything in there that is bad, allow me to know so that I can get rid of it. There's often this story that's told in, in sermons And some people have said it's Ivan the Great. Some people say it was Constantine. um, And some have used other military leaders. And sometimes I don't even know if the story's true, but it's a great illustration. But it's about an army going into battle and they're on their horses and, and they want to baptize themselves before they go into battle. But as they go into the water, every one of them, as they're being baptized, they took their sword and they held it out of the water. And the reason why they, they, they raised that sword out of the water is because that was the sword that would end up killing somebody and they didn't want to give that over to the Lord. Now there's obviously some theological implications that are messed up there. Because if you go to the Lord, what should you give Him? Everything. But church, aren't we like those soldiers sometimes? We'll say, Lord, I'll give you Everything. But this one flirtatious relationship, I want to keep. Because they make me feel good. And I'm a selfish individual. And so we hold it out. Some of us will say, Lord, I'll give you everything. But there's this one person that just has angered me so much. And I'm going to keep that one person. I'll give you everything else. But not that. Some of you say, Lord, I'll give you everything. Just don't ask me for my money. I want to keep that one thing out. And some of you say, Lord, I'll give you everything. Just don't ask me to give up my kids' sports or my kids' time for the church. And we hold that one thing out. And I don't know what that one thing is for you. But I know that sometimes in my own life, sometimes it's pride. Sometimes it's my own selfishness. Sometimes I hold those things on and say, Lord, everything but that. And what I found is this. The more that we give over to God, the more freeing it is and the more growth that occurs. You know, I love for my moments when my kids like, you know, I teach them something over and over and I say something over and over and it's like they're not getting it. But there's that one day when they finally get it. And they finally put into practice what I've been teaching them. And they, it's all of a sudden like they say, I've surrendered it, you know, and I'm going to listen to my dad. And I have to tell you, that's both freeing for me and them because they start to do things the right way. And I have found that every time that I pray this prayer, search me, O oh God, if there's anything, and God begins to deal with me. And I say, you know what? I'm going to hand that over to you. That is both freeing for God and me because it's a moment of real growth. You see, consecration is the development of trust and communication. It's that moment where I say, God, you know best. And when you reveal something to me, I trust you enough to listen. Now, I pray for that moment with my kids even, that they'll come to a point where they say, you know what? We trust dad enough to listen to him and to put into practice what he says. And I come to that place where I say, I trust you enough, God, to put those things into practice. So, formation is firm as you memorialize moments. So, if you look at the rest of this passage of Scripture, um, in Matthew chapter 4 verses 1 through 7, it says this, when the whole nation had finished crossing the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, choose 12 men. I, mean, I just did seven, so I do not account, okay? I meant to do two and one for 12, but I didn't even think I got that wrong. So, choose 12 men from among the people, one from each tribe, and tell them to take up 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan, from right where the priests are standing, and carry them over with you, and put them down on the place where you stay tonight. So Joshua called together the 12 men he had appointed from the Israelites, one from each tribe, and said to them, Go over before the ark of the Lord your God in the middle of the Jordan. Each of you is to take up a stone on his shoulder, according to the number of tribes of the Israelites, to serve as a sign among you, In the future, when your children ask you, what do these stones mean? Tell them, the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. These stones are to be a memorial to the people of Israel forever. Man, I love this depiction because I can just picture them choosing like, you get to choose one person from your tribe. And if I know people, man, they're going to choose their biggest, strongest individual that will just represent the tribe mightily. And you know, guys being guys, when they're going in there and they're trying to find a rock, man, they're not looking for a little stone. They want to show how manly they are. And they're going to pick up the biggest rock they can find and they're going to put it on their shoulder. And what's incredible about this story is that when the Ark of the Covenant hit, it says that the waters dissipated. And what was the ground like? It says it was dry. Like you and I would be thinking like if water just went away. Like it still should be kind of wet. And by the way, it's easier to grab like a rock out of a wet area than a dry area. So they come to this dry place and God just proves himself because it's completely dry. They understand that this is a supernatural event that is happening. And it says in that moment that Joshua is exalted in front of the people. And those guys, they grab those big boulders and they put them on their shoulders and they lay them on the other side, and it says that is to be a moment, a moment that will be memorialized. Because every time your kids see those rocks, you remind them what God did. Just as He was with Moses, He was with Joshua as well, and He gave us the promised land. That's a moment to be memorialized. And you and I probably have those moments in life that we memorialize, you know? I was joking with First Service and I said, I, I remember having this ribbon and it said 12th place on it. And I was so proud of that ribbon. And I'm pretty sure there was only 12 of us in the race, you know, but we all got a ribbon and I got 12, you know? But there was that moment of being memorialized. I remember though as a senior in high school in football, and my, uh, my, my, my cousin and me, we, we always kind of played next to each other on the offensive line. And uh, our senior year, our uh, coach, we give out these awards, and what the, one of the big awards was the Ph.D. award. It's my only doctorate I ever got, okay? But the Ph.D. stood for pride, hustle, and desire. And it was really cool because it was just supposed to be one thing that they were giving out, but they gave it out to two of us. And it was me and my cousin Keith, and I remember at my, my wedding, and, and he gave his, his best man speech, he mentioned the same thing. But the reason why it meant so much to us, because for those four to six years that we've been playing football, That we've been giving our all, trying to do as best as we can. It was a moment where the head football coach recognized that these guys have been trying their hardest, and they've been doing their best, and I want to recognize that. And to this day, I still have that award because it has a place of value for me. But there are times in my faith as well, and there are times in your faith, when God has done a moment in your life. And for me, I remember kneeling at an altar. And I remember this day when God, it just like he spoke so vividly to me. And it wasn't this audible voice, but it was this voice that was saying, Chuck, I want you. And I love you. And I remember wrestling with God. God, I, I don't know that I want to be a believer. And I, I don't know whether I want to commit myself. Yeah, let me, let me continue to make mistakes. He's like, no, 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 no. I want you now. And there was this moment that I poured myself out at the altar. And I began to confess my sins to God. And God dealt with me that day and forgave me of my sins. And so an altar is a significant place to me. Why? Because every time I look at that altar, I'm reminded of what God did for me. And I remember years later, and we went to Cornerstone Church here in town. Uh, it was the old Smelter Road Alliance is what it was. And we didn't have a baptismal in our church at the time. So they let us use their baptismal. And I remember going in front of the congregation. I remember Pastor Friedley baptizing me in the water. And it was a moment for me to say that my sins are dead and I'm alive in you. And that still serves as a moment to be memorialized. And you see, church, we all need those moments that we can point back to and say, I remember what God did for me there. Because the devil's always going to try to make you think that you're not worth it, that you're not valued, and God wants to pull us back to those moments. And so just like those men laying those rocks down, You and I need to have moments that we point back to and say, I remember what God did. And I know that he can do it again. Amen? This morning, we're going to hear a testimony from a young man. Um, I think it's going to resonate with a lot of you. We're going to do a baptism in a moment. But before we do that, if you would for me this morning, if you would just close your eyes for a moment. And if some of you this morning would say, Chuck, I, I... I feel that pull of Christ in my life right now and I want to become a believer and I want to ask Christ in my life. If that's you this morning, would you just raise your hand? And I want to pray for you this morning. Got that, thank you, thank you. We got it in the back, thank you. Over here in the front, thank you. Thank you in the front of the side here, thank you. Now for some of you, you might say, um, Pastor Chuck, as you were speaking and as you were talking about consecrating yourself, there's sometimes that I leave that one thing out. And I want to be all in at this moment because I want to grow in my faith. If that's you this morning, would you just raise your hand? I want to remember you in prayer as well. Thank you over here. Got you in the middle. Got you in the front here. Thank you. Middle here. Thank you. Got you on the sides here. Thank you. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you for this moment and for those individuals who say that they want to ask you into their life. I just would ask that they simply pray this prayer with me. Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. And I know that I missed the mark. And Father, we know they're not different than any one of us. There's so many times that we missed the mark. But we pray right now we confess our sins to you and ask you that you would throw our sins as far as the east is from the west, never to be remembered again. And we pray that you would live in our heart and that from time to time we could say, search me, O God, and let me know if there's anything wrong that I might clean it up. Father, we thank you for those ones who've asked you into their life right now. And we give you praise. We also pray for those individuals who just raised their hand and said, Lord, there are times when I just struggle to give up a certain area of my life. And I know that I need to give it up because I know that I need to change and I need to grow. I pray right now, Lord, that they would be all in. And that they would pray that prayer that David did. And from time to time, we'd say, search me, O God. And that as you reveal things to us, that we would continue to give those things over to you so that we can have this weight lifted off of us. Father, we thank you and we give you praise. In your name we pray. Amen. Once again, thanks for listening. If you are in the Marion area, we would love to engage with you at one of our Sunday morning gatherings. For directions, service times, and information about our fantastic children and student ministries, visit us at dayspringwesleyan.org. That's dayspringwesleyan.org.